of Human Bondage by William Somerset Maugham, Chapter 34, Segment 1. Next day after dinner, they took their rugs and cushions to the fountain and their books, but they did not read. Miss Wilkinson made herself comfortable as she opened the red sunshade. Philip was not at all shy now, but at first she would not let him kiss her. It was very wrong of me last night, she said. I couldn't sleep. I felt I'd done so wrong. What nonsense, he cried. I'm sure you slept like a top. What do you think your uncle would say if he knew? There's no reason why he should know. He leaned over her and his heart went pit-a-pat. Why do you want to kiss me? He knew he ought to reply, because I love you but he could not bring himself to say it. Why do you think? he asked instead. She looked at him with smiling eyes and touched his face with the tips of her fingers. How smooth your face is, she murmured. I want shaving awfully, he said. It was astonishing how difficult he found it to make romantic speeches. He found that silence helped him much more than words. He could look inexpressible things. Miss Wilkinson sighed. Do you like me at all? Yes, awfully. When he tried to kiss her again, she did not resist. He pretended to be much more passionate than he really was, and he succeeded in playing a part which looked very well in his own eyes. I'm beginning to be rather frightened of you, said Miss Wilkinson. You'll come out after supper, won't you? He begged. Not unless you promise to behave yourself. I'll promise anything. He was catching fire from the flame he was partly simulating, and at tea-time he was obstreperously merry. Miss Wilkinson looked at him nervously. "'You mustn't have those shining eyes,' she said to him afterwards. "'What will your Aunt Louisa think?' "'I don't care what she thinks.' Miss Wilkinson gave a little laugh of pleasure. They had no sooner finished supper than he said to her, "'Are you going to keep me company while I smoke a cigarette?' "'Why don't you let Miss Wilkinson rest?' said Mrs. Carey. "'You must remember she's not as young as you.' "'Oh, I'd like to go out, Mrs. Carey,' she said, rather acidly. "'After dinner, walk a mile. After supper, rest a while,' said the vicar. "'Your aunt is very nice, but she gets on my nerves sometimes,' said Miss Wilkinson, as soon as they closed the side door behind them. Philip threw away the cigarette he had just lighted, and flung his arms round her. She tried to push him away. You promised to be good, Philip. You didn't think I was going to keep a promise like that. Not so near the house, Philip, she said, supposing someone should come out suddenly. End of segment one. Chapter 34, Segment 2 He led her to the kitchen garden where no one was likely to come, and this time Miss Wilkinson did not think of earwigs. He kissed her passionately. It was one of the things that puzzled him that he did not like her at all in the morning, and only moderately in the afternoon, but at night the touch of her hand thrilled him. He said things he would never have thought himself capable of saying. He could certainly never have said them in the broad light of day, and he listened to himself with wonder and satisfaction. "'How beautifully you make love,' she said. That was what he thought himself. 
Oh, if I could only say all the things that burn my heart, he murmured passionately. It was splendid. It was the most thrilling game he had ever played, and the wonderful thing was that he had felt almost all he said. It was only that he exaggerated a little. He was tremendously interested and excited in the effect he could see it had on her. It was obviously with an effort that at last she suggested going in. Oh, don't go yet, he cried. I must, she muttered. I'm frightened. He had a sudden intuition what was the right thing to do then. I can't go in yet. I shall stay here and think. My cheeks are burning. I want the night air. Good night. He held out his hand seriously, and she took it in silence. He thought she stifled a sob. Oh, it was magnificent. When, after a decent interval during which he had been rather bored in the dark garden by himself, he went in, and he found that Miss Wilkinson had already gone to bed. After that, things were different between them. The next day and the day after, Philip showed himself an eager lover. He was deliciously flattered to discover that Miss Wilkinson was in love with him. She told him so in English, and she told him so in French. She paid him compliments. No one had ever informed him before that his eyes were charming and that he had a sensual mouth. He had never bothered much about his appearance, but now, when occasion presented, he looked at himself in the glass with satisfaction. When he kissed her, it was wonderful to feel the passion that seemed to thrill her. He kissed her a great deal, for he found it easier to do than to say the things he instinctively felt she expected of him. It still made him feel a fool to say he worshipped her. He wished there was someone to whom he could boast a little, and he would willingly have discussed minute points of his conduct. Sometimes she said things that were enigmatic, and he was puzzled. He wished Hayward had been there so that he could ask him what he thought she meant and what he had better do next. He could not make up his mind whether he ought to rush things or let them take their time. There were only three weeks more. End of segment two. Chapter 34, Segment 3 I can't bear to think of that, she said. It breaks my heart. And then perhaps we shall never see one another again. If you cared for me at all, you wouldn't be so unkind to me, he whispered. Oh, why can't you be content to let it go on as it is? Men are always the same. They're never satisfied. And when he pressed her, she said, But don't you see it's impossible? How can we here? He proposed all sorts of schemes, but she would not have anything to do with them. I daren't take the risk. It would be too dreadful if your aunt found out. A day or two later, he had an idea which seemed brilliant. Look here. If you had a headache on Sunday evening and offered to stay at home and look after the house, Aunt Louisa could go to church. Generally, Mrs. Carey remained in on Sunday evening in order to allow Marianne to go to church but she would welcome the opportunity of attending Evensong. Philip had not found it necessary to impart to his relations the change in his views on Christianity which had occurred in Germany. They could not be expected to understand, and it seemed less trouble to go to church quietly. But he only went in the morning. He regarded this as a graceful concession to the prejudices of society, and his refusal to go a second time as an adequate assertion of free thought. When he made the suggestion, 
Miss Wilkinson did not speak for a moment, then shook her head. No, I won't, she said. But on Sunday at tea time, she surprised Philip. I don't think I'll come to church this evening, she said suddenly. I've really got a dreadful headache. Mrs. Carey, much concerned, insisted on giving her some drops, which she was herself in the habit of using. Miss Wilkinson thanked her and, immediately after tea, announced that she would go to her room and lie down. Are you sure there's nothing you want? asked Mrs. Carey anxiously. Quite sure, thank you. Because if there isn't, I think I'll go to church. I don't often have the chance of going in the evening. Oh, yes, do go. I shall be in, said Philip. If Miss Wilkinson wants anything, she can always call me. You'd better leave the drawing room door open, Philip, so that if Miss Wilkinson rings, you hear. Certainly, said Philip. So, after six o'clock, Philip was left alone in the house with Miss Wilkinson. End of segment three. Chapter 34, Segment 4 He felt sick with apprehension. He wished with all his heart that he had not suggested the plan, but it was too late now. He must take the opportunity which he had made. What would Miss Wilkinson think of him if he did not? He went into the hall and listened. There was not a sound. He wondered if Miss Wilkinson really had a headache. Perhaps she had forgotten his suggestion. His heart beat painfully. He crept up the stairs as softly as he could, and he stopped with a start when they creaked. He stood outside Miss Wilkinson's room and listened. He put his hand on the knob of the door handle. He waited. It seemed to him that he waited for at least five minutes, trying to make up his mind, and his hand trembled. He would willingly have bolted, but he was afraid of the remorse which he knew would seize him. It was like getting on the highest diving board in a swimming bath. It looked nothing from below, but when you got up there and stared down at the water, your heart sank, and the only thing that forced you to dive was the shame of coming down meekly by the steps you had climbed up. Philip screwed up his courage. He turned the handle softly and walked in. He seemed to himself to be trembling like a leaf. Miss Wilkinson was standing at the dressing table with her back to the door, and she turned round quickly when she heard it open. Oh! It's you. What do you want? She had taken off her skirt and blouse and was standing in her petticoat. It was short and only came down to the top of her boots. The upper part of it was black, of some shiny material, and there was a red flounce. She wore a camisole of white calico with short arms. She looked grotesque. Philip's heart sank as he stared at her. She had never seemed so unattractive. But it was too late now. He closed the door behind him and locked it. End of segment four. <laughs>